I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggled. It's okay, that's part of the deal. It's how I responded. This is the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, founder of Mindset RX and your host. And today on the show, I'm joined by a guest, Dan Williams, the founder of WIT. Now, Dan is a really awesome guest on this show. Um, we actually talked about, I suppose it's kind of parallel to CrossFit and performance in CrossFit. He's obviously in the CrossFit space and is an athlete, albeit like not at the games this year. And he really, like the conversation we go into is all about pursuing excellence and the hardships that you encounter on the path of excellence. But there's so many takeaways that you can translate to your pursuit of excellence in whatever goal that is whether that is being the best spouse you can, the best parent you can, or being the best athlete that's possible. Love this chat with Dan. And here is the one and only Dan Williams. Welcome very much to the show, man. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. My absolute pleasure. So let's let's start where I always start with these interviews, because I I think it's... um, an interesting background piece. Tell me about like childhood growing up. Like what was, what was, what are your kind of key memories of that? Um, childhood growing up, m- most of my memories probably involve around, and it's quite a stereotypical given I own a fitness business, but you know, most of my best memories probably involve around sport and fitness. Um, you know, I'm from, I'm, I'm of that older age where there wasn't much being indoors. Like everything was outdoors. And any sport I could play, I did play. Um, I, I had four. I had four sisters. I've got four sisters, uh, so that that was challenging playing the sport at home <laughs> rather with my uh, apart from with my old man. So I was always out at school or clubs playing you know, rugby, football, athletics, mm-hmm. uh, anything I could do, I, I would do. Uh, so definitely, my happiest memories come from that. And I think that was probably the foundation of. I was probably in my mind from those early days whenever anyone asked me what do you want to do I really had no clue but you know I'm probably lucky enough to have realized subconsciously that it would always evolve around sports and fitness at some point mm-hmm. and I guess it's been, I've been lucky enough to, to 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 attain that later in my life yeah what kind of um level of athlete were you were you someone who was like you found a sport and you're completely dedicated as a kid and like that's all you did or is it like you're kind of a smish mash of everything yeah, I was a smooth smash of everything. So I was probably like a good to average at everything. Um, yeah, yeah. I was a good runner. I was a really good runner. Um, but my downfall would have been that I didn't focus on it. So, you know, um, rather than I'd do it, I'd run during the summer, but rather than go to a club consistently um, over the winter, I just didn't do that. And when I got to like, 17, 18, I was a really good runner, but I still didn't do anything outside of the the kind of three to six months of competition. And then when I got to uni, I realized, oh, actually runners actually train 12 months a year. Um, yeah. So when I 
you know, at first I was at uni and I didn't want to run because I just want to go out, right? And then when I realised how much I had to train, I I, I kind of went up at a level. So I, I I am one to regret things. I think um, I I was a good, I was a talented runner, and I was probably talented enough to reach a very high level. Um, but I just didn't consistently train for it because of too many distractions. Yeah, that's um, it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Having that that kind of interest in everything because you can identify principles from it. But also, it's very difficult to pin it down on one thing. Did you have yeah. any? Go on. Sorry, I was interrupting. No, I think it's, it's one of those where I think someone needed to pin me down. So I think, um, you know, when I'm a parent, I might do this. I don't never want to be a pushy parent. I, and my, my my parents weren't, but I think because I love so many sports, my my dad probably at some point should have said, or would have been nice if he said, "Look, you're really good at running. You know, let's just take you to the running club for the next twelve months." But you know, maybe who knows? Yeah, who knows where you would have been if that wasn't the case? Um, yeah. Did you have any like role models in t- in terms of coaches? Like, who were you looking up to as a kid? Like, did you have like I think the US listeners to this will be like, um, I don't know that they seem seem to have like a, a much more dominant coaching in their life as ch- as children rather than like in the uk we we don't really have that kind of relationship with sport it's a it's a slightly different well i found that anyway but like did you have any coaches mentors as a kid i i didn't at school but yeah uni uh, if you're into athletics you do develop a very strong bond with your coach um and i yeah i definitely had a couple of coaches who had a massive impact on my life um and um I, 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 and because they instill a, a level of discipline that you, you don't have before, um, and it's also, and you see them five, six days a week, and you see, you know, massive progression in your, you know, mm-hmm. like um, your preferred sport. So definitely, I, I've, I've had two athletics coaches which have had a massive impact on my life. Uh, you know, I went to the funeral of, of one of them like years after uh, mm-hmm. I, he coached me. Um, was close to his wife. Yeah, I think with athletics and an individual sport, you can you can develop a very very close relationship. And I'm sure you've come across runners who who do that. Yeah, absolutely. Like you you put so much of your trust into them, right? Like you put so much of like your faith, your trust, your dedication, your your effort. It's, it's all channeled through their expertise and mentorship. Yeah, and it's sometimes it's sometimes a bit of a strange relationship in a way. Uh, but I guess that's what it is with individual sports. So in a 15-a-side sport, 11-a-side sport, you've got your teammates and that camaraderie. As an individual, there might be five or six of you in a group, but really you're focusing on yourself and it's only your coach you've really got that rapport with. Yeah, absolutely. Who was that coach? Like, or uh, You mentioned two. Like, Who were they? Yeah, so the first one was at yeah, University of Leeds coach, um, Clem, he's still around uh, in yeah. at the University of Leeds. And then uh, uh, quite a famous athletic coach, actually, Wilf Pace, he used to coach me at uh, Leeds Met Uni when I did a Masters there. there. And he, he was a famous uh, UK athletics coach, actually. But um, he, he was a, he was a very impressive individual and just, um, yeah, just developed a close bond with uh, both of them. Yeah, so I find when we look up to role models like that, there's something that is latent within us, like this kind of vessel ready to be channeled. And they like they represent something. They're like, okay, that is the that is the kind of um the epitome of that thing that I know that I need to work on and that I know that's ready within me. What was it that they represented that was so compelling to you? I think what was compelling about the best coaches is um or they were back then is that 
firstly, they push you to a performance level you didn't think you could achieve. That's what the best coaches will do. Uh, but secondly, they won't let you know that all the time. So praise, praise is, is, is there, but limited. Uh, so it always keeps you on the edge of performance and always you're always striving for that next level. Uh, I found, you know, when, when I've experienced different coaches in, in athletics, if, it, if you get comfortable with your performance, you, you're, not, you're not moving forward. So the best coaches will be able to like keep that um, empathy and rapport with the individual at the same time, pushing them to a level that they didn't think that they could achieve, uh, which is a difficult thing to do, right? If you're basically trying to be a friend and a and a, and a boss and a, and a and someone driving you forward at the same time, and I think the best best coaches do both. Yeah, and especially in like a male to male relationship, there's that kind of element of father figure that we're trying to like chase down the perfect father figure of like, okay, show me something to um to represent again, like something to channel, something to be the best of. And like it needs that it's almost like too kind, you get yeah. complacent, you get like it's too soft, too gentle. We need some hardship. But obviously so much coaching falls on the other side as well of just like never complimenting like especially in like the sports like weightlifting is a clean uh perfect example because you're like that was wrong that was wrong that was wrong all legitimate criticisms of the lift but there's like all those pieces within there that it's just like if you're just focusing on the negative that obviously makes things a lot more challenging it does and i think it's that um again the best coach is uh you're striving so it is a father figure because you're trying to make them proud not mm -hmm. in the race yeah. It's in, the, it's in the hardest sessions or the, the progression like throughout your career or, or, or progression to that race. You're trying to hit those times that they believe you can hit. And you make, when you make them proud, they give you that compliment. And when you don't, they give you the you know, feedback, what you need to work on and why, and you feel like you haven't achieved something. Mm. Do you have any abiding memories of their coaching? Like any if you think back to your training, if you think back to races, if you think back to kind of interactions with you, what, what are the memories that jump to mind? Apart from the pain between, uh, <laughs> between reps, I think um, probably back to my, my last point, it's probably that you don't, you'd rarely get any praise, but when mm. you got praise, you were so elated. You knew you were moving forward. You, got mm. you trusted them so much. You knew you were moving forward if you you, you got some praise, um, and you kind of went into session every session wanting to achieve that. Um, mm. And I said, so there's a lot of highs and lows. There's a lot of highs and lows. Like you can't have the best session every day. You can't have the best day every day. Um, but I guess uh, it's the endorphins and the success and like achievement when the coach is giving you that positive feedback. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose the. The link here and the very obvious question that I think I must must ask everyone who I ever speak to in this world is like, when and how did you find CrossFit or, or functional training? Like, when did that come into your life? Kane's life, um, when I so I'd finished running, uh, started my first business, uh, was going to the gym like everyone. And um, I met uh, one of the former owners of CrossFit West Yorkshire. Mm -hmm. uh, and I went down for a session, took my athletics group, actually, and... Uh, and we did a session. I think the first session was like Helen or something. So it was like pull-ups, wall balls, kettlebells. And we were like, this is easy. And I smashed everyone in the class. But then it was a bit of addictive. And I'd, I'd quit running by then. And it was just that element, like most people you probably speak to, element of, element of camaraderie, element of fitness that they hadn't had since uni. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, and I was in love straight away. Perfect. What was the 
cause of uh, quitting running? I just wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, uh, I, I got to, I, I didn't focus enough in my early years. So I hadn't achieved the level I needed to uh, by my early 20s. And then I was striving to achieve a level that people were already at, uh, which I knew I could have, but it was too late. So when I finished my um, master's degree, I was just like, I wasn't one of those people who was going to keep chipping away, trying, 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 keep keep trying to make it because I wanted to move on. I wanted to do something else. I wanted to like have success elsewhere, really. Yeah. Were you bored of um, running then? like, Or did it kind of like you lost your love of it or was it kind of a... A decision with a, a heavy heart i wasn't bored i just like you when you're like at that reasonable to good level you're either training to race competitively or well for me or or for nothing like and and by, and by the way it goes against a lot that i would encourage it with it with a fitness customer because you don't always have to uh, train to compete or race to compete but for me it's always been the mindset super competitive have to have a goal in mind otherwise find it hard to motivate myself yeah no i get you i get you entirely and then around the same was it around the same time that you were setting up your first business yeah so what what i was still running and um after uni after master's degree working in some bars to like pay the pay the way and um set up uh, my first business there yeah so uh, mid-20s what was what was that doing cleaning business Okay. Uh, and what drove you to that? Very random, but there is a there's a there's a seamless link. So I, I worked in bars in uh, in Leeds, and um, uh, it was something like the cleaning company of one of the bars, big bar by the way, really big bar, uh, was was awful. And I was like, I, I reckon I could do this. I reckon I could. I reckon I could get a, a company and a team together to do this. And my mate was a uh, uh, GM of the bar. He was like, all right, we'll give it a go. Uh, and this is like a bit, one of the biggest bars in Leeds. So we, I went in and did that. And, you know, after a few years, we were cleaning most, uh, this doesn't sound very glamorous, but most bars and nightclubs in Leeds, we were cleaning <laughs> after three or four years. <laughs> that was that was it. And it was a bit of a random one because it was never what I envisaged doing, but it would allow me you to know, work for was, myself. Was that not the childhood <laughs> dream? Not the childhood great dream, yeah. It allowed me to work for myself. And yeah. I, I was still figuring out again this is quite relevant i was still figuring out in my mid-20s late 20s what the hell i wanted to do Mm. so it allowed me to kind of spend some time at least learning you know my own mind and business yeah it takes a certain type of character to see that as an opportunity to go like this is something that's actually a bit shit and and not very good job and rather than just complaining about it or seeing it's someone else's problem to go like actually there's an opportunity within that I learned to properly graft. I learned to graft in bars, actually, initially, and then really graft with a cleaning company. Because mm-hmm. I was, in, you know, if if the cleaners would complain, then I would, I'd stick. I was sticking my hand down unimaginable things in in nightclubs to <laughs> clean. Yeah, and we then, can take that out of context, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I learned. I learned to graft. I learned to work long hours. I learned to work seven days a week uh, cleaning. The cleaning industry is no joke. Yeah, mm-hmm. you're talking seven days a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. Um, with a lot of hard working but low paid people. Um, so difficult, difficult teams to manage as well, but also very reward rewarding. Uh, so yeah, definitely learned to to work hard there. 
Yeah. What are your memories from that business when you when you think about it? Like, there was there a, like one night that stands out? Were there difficult decisions you have to make? Uh, memories of people, uh, because with the cleaning business, you have a lot of t- lot lots of people. And like I said, a lot of people be, been through some very hard uh, childhoods or, or, or adult lives on the minimum wage, working bloody hard at crazy hours to to get mm. by. Uh, opened up a whole new world to me a whole new world um so it was super interesting with regards to that perspective um and you know getting to know them getting to know the challenges but also a challenging way of leading a team and and going back to our first conversation that how do you how do you show empathy and rapport with these people who deserve it but at the same time you're paying them to do a, a job which is you know earning you money so um that that was my biggest takeaway people um it was really hard business like i didn't enjoy it that much for that long but there was a from from a from a learning perspective definitely that yeah how did you have to evolve because like we often like my person personal experience is like started a crossfit box which like i was not um qualified to run at all in terms of i had the coaching experience i was like a great coach but running a box obviously completely different um that went under i learned what i had to learn but about two years after i was like ah that's what was important like i was an idiot in like these five different ways and then like with working with mindset rx and doing personal training before that like i've had to evolve in certain ways and come up against these kind of limitations within myself like constantly it's like the business only grows and the the number of athletes that we serve only grows in accordance with the amount that i'm able to level myself up um and like i've come across loads of things like um fear of failure fear of doing a bad job um fear of incompetency being like um outshone or kind of like um, dismissed by other people like there's been so much long there like how in in that first business like did you have to evolve well, I mean, initially I had to overcome, I guess, the fear of um, not imposter syndrome, but I was in an industry which I basically knew nothing about, right? Yeah. Uh, speaking to people 20 years older than me who did know what they're talking about. Uh, so it's, uh, I definitely need to overcome that issue of maybe a lack of confidence um, straight away yeah. um, uh, or putting on, a, putting on a facade. So let's say putting yeah. on a facade, like being the most confident person in the room when you're the least confident person in the room. Uh, and that has stood me in very good stead over the years mm-hmm. because, you know, as you can imagine with wit, I've been thrust into uh, hot situations on a whole different level to that with uh, with different stakeholders and, and, and pitching to people and selling the dream and working with some of the world's biggest brands. And most of the time, I'm shitting my pants by walking into those rooms. And I, I think that probably stood me, stood me in very, very good stead back there. Uh, and then little did I know my team was much bigger in a cleaning company because you got, you got, you know, you got 10, 20 people cleaning it site, but little did I know how much that would stand me in instead to lead a team of what we have here now or what we have done over the years. I think that was definitely a brilliant mm-hmm. takeaway. There must've been a, so many times where you're like, I could really hide from this, um, this uncomfortable scenario of like, pretending to be the most confident person in the room and like having my shit together and they're like and then you chose the option to like go towards the difficult side what was 
encouraging you to go down that side? Well, I think I knew, I kind of knew then, I knew I always wanted to be a leader of a team. Mm. Um, and I knew that to be a leader of a team, you had to take responsibility uh, all day, every day. Um, there was no hiding place. Um, there is no one to speak to. There is no one who understands the situation you're in. So um, it was sink or swim, really. Um, and, and and these are all facts now in the wit business. Now, whilst I've asked responsibility on, um, in inverted commas, to, to ACEO, like, you know, that's just shared responsibility. But, you know, as a founder and CEO, you know, that is su super lonely. So there's n you've got no choice but to take full responsibility for anything that happens. Yeah, it's like the responsibility of the outputs and I suppose the inputs fall on the CEO, but like your, um, the the ownership of the brand is still entirely yours, like the the decisions that are made. And that, like the parallels to, to, to being the kind of elite athletes and to actually the parallels to overcoming any kind of challenge in terms of fitness, whether it's like the first day in the gym and kind of thinking about nutrition and getting that together or like just overcoming the fear of judgment within the gym or all the way up to like, am I good enough to get to the games? Am I good enough to stand on the podium? Am I good enough to get to semifinals? Like that is all, I don't know, is, is it? Is there's terror within that and it requires that ownership it requires like no one really knows what that's like no one really can experience what that's like for you subjectively um so it can be a lonely journey right definitely and i think um i think it's just like being an athlete so you know as a runner or any athlete a crossfit athlete you start out you're pretty good right you got some natural talent you're pretty good you're winning workouts and you start to win box throwdowns and you start to win local throwdowns and then it gets a bit serious and then and then it gets down to real discipline like so for that that first bit is easy uh, and for example at wit first three years easy came up with a good idea mm -hmm. bang yeah <laughs> so, and very rewarding you get like instant success with it Yes, everyone's like talking about you isn't in success easy making loads of money same in the gym winning all the competitions then you have to make marginal gains. You see, you, you see yourself plattering or you make mistakes. So it's a matter of really learning about your weaknesses quickly and having the discipline to um, better yourself to, to, to make those kind of marginal gains, whether that's in business or uh, as an athlete. And, and that period of time is a, is a long period. It could be over 10 years. Like for me, I'm probably only part of the way through it. And you and like you said earlier with the gym, you're constantly learning, literally, constantly learning. Mm -hmm. And especially as an athlete, that that top level athlete on the top level competition floor, those tiny bits of discipline in all the hours they're putting in is the difference. And it is the same with business. Like things become more structured, you have to take more responsibility. There's big decisions that need to, need to make right to move forward. Um, mm -hmm. And that's gone over a longer period of time than those, those initial easy successes. So I think it's just those constant and consistent marginal gains. I know it's a bit of a stereotypical saying that, but it is. Yeah, it's um, it's difficult to trend upwards, and that's what we're trying to do on a, on a daily basis. And that requires humility and discipline, 
And there's also like the other side of it of like self-compassion and forgiveness for not being perfect. Like the drive for perfectionism is something that like I've spoken to so far. I've had seven calls with athletes today and I would say probably four or five of them have spoken about perfectionism in some capacity. Like that drive to be perfect, to have really high expectations and hopes. Like there's a, there's an interaction with that, which is serving and non-serving one high standard is obviously fantastic to aim at excellence that's what we've got to do but when that creeps over into perfectionism of like if there's anything less than 100 percent success um the idea that's failure and i kind of hold back that's a really hard balance to act um to, to kind of enact how do you find that balance within your own well i suppose business things we're talking about it that's super interesting actually and recently because uh i just uh I've just watched, uh, well, not just watched, but have you watched Breakpoint on a on Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's exactly what you just said. So I think it, I can't remember the quote in the first episode, but it's the it's the girl, the I think the Ukrainian girl. She's so obsessed with perfection yeah. that um, she she's she's getting through to so many tour finals, and then on the biggest stage of all, she's falling to bits. Mm-hmm. Because she, she's she, she, like you say, that it's that last little bit where she's reached the top of the game, where she just needs to relax. That she's losing it. It's perfectionism. I think with business, I think what I found is that, and it's a bit. Again, you've probably heard this a million times, but I think I'm far more productive, successful when I'm thinking about um, the day to day and enjoying being at the top of my game and doing uh, and realizing that we're doing good things than I am when I'm thinking about a potential pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, because I'm not going to lie on here. Like as a type, I didn't start with to be a, a multimillionaire, but you know, when you see the business moving, you think, Oh, like, this could be the way to mm-hmm. be a multimillionaire. As soon as you start thinking about that, you th- you start worrying. Everything becomes overly serious, and you know everything has to be perfect. Oh shit! If this goes wrong, we're not going to get there. And then you re- you bring it back. You take a breath. You try and enjoy the gym in the morning. Enjoy seeing your team. Enjoy getting home, like seeing your family. Suddenly, actually, things start to improve again. <laughs> so it is that fine balance that you talk about. Yeah, like it's the process obsession. Like the, how can I maximize these small details and the end result takes care of itself. Like as I find that athletes, but also entrepreneurs as well. And and again, anyone who's doing anything difficult, they run into problems when they start thinking about exclusively the what and the when. So what do I want to achieve? So X income, X standard performance, when do I want to achieve it? So essentially smart goals, very useful, very kind of, um, effective in some ways but if that's not paired with how do i want to act so what are my principles and who do i want to be so my character those two things never materialize the what and the when never materialize but then if we focus um almost exclusively not quite or not quite exclusive but almost exclusively on who do i want to be and how do i want to act the what and the when take care of itself because it's a it's a way of living that's meaningful to us and it kind of it's not in some sort of manifestation the secret way but in terms of like you're doing what's optimized for you as an individual you're so you're so right it's so important i, I and i have to remind myself of it on a day almost weekly basis i'd say uh you know about what is important what i enjoy what we're really doing uh, where you know what the real mission is and then 
Um, and when we do that, things type for me and, and and work try and kind of take care of themselves. What a they like, I'll lead with like an example of of like where I go with this, like because I think it it helps set the the example of what I'm talking about. What are the ways you get in your own way most frequently in terms of moving forward? It's like mine is always running before I can walk. It's like, okay, one thing goes well for me in terms of like training or in terms of performance or in terms of the business or in terms of relationship. It's like, right, I'm going to change that and move on and go something different. And it's this idea of like, I've got to, got to force things. And that's like one of the things that I get in my own way. Um, how do you get in your own way of success? Uh, this is an easy one because we've had it so many times over the years. Where it's like losing focus on your initial uh, goals or ideas. Um, prettier things will always present themselves um with a business like ours that's growing so quickly new opportunities will always present themselves if you go after every single one you're going to go backwards and we have done in the past um you always have to take a breath take a step back speak to the, the people you trust most in the organizational family and decide which of those opportunities actually um aligns with the actual focus um but we only do that now so for the first three or four years, we took every opportunity that came our way. Uh, like for those who follow WIT, we, you know, they may know that we had franchise stores in like Hong Kong and Dubai. And this was crazy stuff. Like mm. crazy. Uh, what was it, so exciting to you about those? Because obviously like you, you went to them for a reason. Like you went, yes, we're doing that. Like what made you say yes? We thought we, we wanted to grow as aggressively as possible. Um, we thought it was a way of doing it yeah. um, to, to, to a degree. It's not, wasn't a bad thing because what we did in the early years was create a lot of hype really quickly. Um, yeah. And those things did that because we were saying our stores in Hong Kong, Dubai, but if anyone went, they weren't stores. <laughs> they were like little concessions. Yeah. It wasn't what we do here, but yeah. you know, on the website, it's like Hong Kong, Dubai. So great, great hype actually for the business it distracts from your core focus yeah. here and this was the market uk uk customer uk crossfit customer that's the market not dubai fitness customer or hong kong and asia fitness so yeah, that was a that's a micro example of like you know many many things how do you identify what is important for me it's um i wouldn't say you'd always go back to your original business focus but you, so for example, in a year at WIT or a business, there's likely to be a strategic plan for the 12 months built around one, two or three pillars. So one, two or three, you know, uh, specific strategies. And uh, and this is hard um, because of the opportunities that present themselves. So you'll present that to your, your leadership team will come up with it, then you'll present it to the business as a whole. And the, the danger is after six weeks, everyone forgets it. <laughs> Because there are all these other opportunities, the op these bigger opportunities will come in for the leadership team, but also these distractions will come in for the management team and junior team. You, It's almost like on a monthly basis, you need to go back to the whiteboard that you you all decided on. The, the, these, are, these are the focus. So all these opportunities have presented themselves. Some of them are good, some of them are not. Which ones align with what we decided a month ago and which ones don't? And And sometimes it's super painful because someone in the room may think that, the, you know this store in japan is the next big thing so let's go and do it but then 
someone in the the boring thing may be, oh no, we want to grow online in the UK. Mm-hmm. And really the boring thing is the, 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 the thing that makes sense. So you just got to, you know, bring them everyone back to that. Yeah. Um, shiny object syndrome is, is tough to, to kind of try. What I like there is that you had the, like, it, the, the who are we like what's our bigger purpose so the way that relates to an athlete is like what's my vision of success like what is my health goal like who do i want to be in terms of that but you've also got the very like the smart goals within that essentially of like okay six weeks from now 12 weeks from now whatever like what explicitly do i want to have happened and how do i get there and the steps to and it's the it's the marrying of those two together like the more scientific approach and the more kind of um well, if you're going to use the opposite, the, the more religious experience, like who do I want to be? Like what type of character yeah. do I want to display? That's the, the meshing of those two together works really nicely. Yeah, yeah I totally agree. I totally agree. What did, you, what did you learn from opening the stores in Dubai and um, do you say Hong Kong? Hong Kong, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What did you uh, learn from that? I mean, Hong Kong was, was a bit different because it was a friend of mine from that I knew from when I was a child. So, it was a it was easier to do um we learned that there was a customer there uh that was a positive we learned that it could create hype um but we learned that it was bloody hard to manage like trying to trying to to your point trying to run before you can walk Mm -hmm. you soon realize that it's 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 not a good idea um so we just had too many things going on with too small a team, basically. And by the way, they made they they grew the business, they, they grew the top line revenue, but they didn't grow any profitability, and they didn't really have any tangible value on of the tangible addition to the value of the business back here. Interesting, interesting. How do you learn to say no? It's hard. It, yeah, to this point, it's super hard. Um, even to this day, me personally, uh, I'm probably guilty of it more than anyone. Uh, where it's hard, it's so hard to say no. There's so many opportunities out there. It's just um, sometimes you need other people to tell you. Actually, I'd say who's, I'd say who's that person for you? I'd say I'm lucky enough now to have like a a very experienced team, more experienced than me. Um, and most things will funnel through to them anyway. But even in your, in a personal life, it's like sometimes you need someone to help you say no. Have you got anyone outside the business who's like who you reflect this to? I mean, you talk, I talked to my girlfriend, but it's um, but as a as a founder, it's I speak to other founders. Mm-hmm. I do speak to other founders. In fact, I've had two really cool conversations this week with founders. Uh, one ones that opened my eyes from a personal perspective, and one really interesting professional conversation. Uh, you can I I, I get like. Um, small bits of wisdom from those conversations aside from that really difficult to find anyone to be honest yeah yeah it's again it's a lonely road how how do you deal with that loneliness like there's again no matter what pursuit you're doing if you're pursuing something difficult i think it's inherently lonely no one truly understands what it's like to have your subjective experience they've got a good idea of it maybe but they don't have the full understanding like how do you how do you deal with that it's, it's really difficult to deal with the loneliness of being a founder because um, I'd say there's almost no businesses out there that are always achieving success. Um, mm. Most of them will have suffered very, very almost treacherous challenges, probably. Um, and 
you can't really you don't sometimes personally it's hard to talk to your family because you don't necessarily want to bring that negativity onto them mm-hmm. uh, but then it's you can't talk to your team because you definitely can't bring the ne- negativity to them mm-hmm. so you know the the option is coaches which is a good option uh and people who understand like um you know uh, other founders and that's the only way you can deal with it i think personally i just manage to plow on i think it's just uh it's a i think it's just a mentality i i kind of can get through difficult things fairly comfortably um mm-hmm. where i say comfortably, it, will, it will affect me but i can just get on with mm-hmm. it whereas i think some people are probably different yeah absolutely absolutely are there any like nuggets that you've taken from coaching relationships that you think of frequently Definitely, definitely what we spoke about earlier, the day-to-day thing. So it, it is super important to have an end goal or or not an end goal, like a progressive progressive goals. But it's more important without doubt to enjoy the process. Um, and that process can be anything, whether it's athletic or business or personal life. If you're not enjoying, mm-hmm. when, when I'm enjoying myself, things good things happen. I don't want to sound all spiritual, but it's true. And when you're not enjoying yourself, things seem to tend to spiral. Um, so that's always what I think about. And I think it's, it, you, I think it's learning to understand myself and my moods uh, has helped that. Nice. So the, the progressional question there is like, what have you done to help understand yourself? Is there any like tools, any methodologies, any conversations? Like how do you, yeah, how, do you, how have you gone about understanding yourself better? I think I speak. I, I have spoken to more people. So for like three or four years, I didn't have a coach, didn't have, didn't speak to any of found, founders. You, you're quite arrogant. Yeah, you, you, when your business is going well, mm-hmm. um, you, it's your way or the highway, or my way or the highway. Um, then you, then I opened up to you know a coach uh, and learned you know a few nuggets, and I opened up to founders. Um, but I just, um, I, I, I think. I'd like to think I'm 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 going to do something worthwhile on while while I'm here uh, on this earth, and you know at Wit, um, our mission is to change as many lives as possible through training. And I think sometimes since the process of the business, not just me but like the wider business, kind of forgotten that because obviously it's hard to remember that it's on the wall in the office, but you know sometimes it's a hollow thing, right? Mm-hmm. We're chasing revenue targets. I think for me it's like remembering that like that is just mm. so important because I, I i'm passionate about changing people's lives through training i'm so passionate about it and i think when we're passionate about it you know it'll make a difference to to the business as well mm. yeah absolutely there's there's almost like um it's alignment at the end of the day we have this maybe it's unspoken initially um the kind of idea of success a vision of success that we have within ourselves um and we're trying to marry that up to something in the world kind of like align ourselves with that and it takes like multiple iterations to get it but also like once you find it it's quite easy to um to let it drift and let it um float away from top mind awareness you can definitely let it drift you're right um these time moves so quickly um that you you can let things you can let it drift so easily, and mm. then then you'll re you know you'll recalibrate and and get it back, 
but it's maintaining it day to day that's a difficult yeah. part which takes a bit of discipline yeah. and also it takes so many good decisions to make progress and so few bad decisions to lose everything and to really screw up and like to for example like a a brand that is um is is like well known as wit like it it's quite easy to lose your reputation and like to to that you've you've got a lot to lose than that and it's like unless you've got that founding principle or that guiding north star it's it's hard to to stay on that track isn't it because otherwise you're not you don't know what you're aiming at yeah i think it's important like we all the challenging thing with with anyone like a business like ours is that um when you're hiring people and bringing people into the organization do they do they buy into the mission one um mm -hmm. two do they put it into practice themselves and then three are they instilling it in their day-to-day -day process and job um because i could always i think people will always believe that i'm passionate about it because they see me training uh they see me speaking to the community but will they believe the entity as a whole you know to your point no maybe not challenging as you get bigger mm -hmm. definitely when you think of success who's the first person that comes to mind success um my father's a very successful man i think um well he is so you know he's all he's he, he that'll be the obvious one i'm sure it's a, a, the same answer a lot but yeah why is that well he's just a very successful man that built himself from nothing um to 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 being very successful financially and personally really so um definitely an inspiration uh, of mine nice is the the kind of entrepreneurialism that you respect within that or is there something else is there like more anything more subtle than would meet the meet the eye initially yeah entrepreneur, he's an entrepreneur through and through um massive setbacks personally and professionally um so both both the personal and professional setbacks that he's overcome and his ability to um be successful as he is as an entrepreneur is 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 kind of inspiring yeah what's the biggest setback you faced um personally or professionally wherever you go with that i mean professionally honestly there's there's probably not one that stands out um we i've had some challenging times and we've had some challenging times in that in that the circumstances that we've all lived in over the last five years, mm -hmm. four years, as you can imagine, for any any business out there, um, any business owner out there, I think 99 out of 100 would say it's the most challenging period they've ever had, whether they're 60 and have had business 40 years or, or they're like my age and have business five to 10 years. I don't think you can rival the roller coaster that people like us have been through on that journey, for sure. But there's yeah. so many different, so many different like moments in that journey rather than you know massive big ones. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I suppose it's the constant uphill struggle, isn't it? When you, it's I always liken it to playing a video game. Whether it's whether this is training or whatever area of your life, you like you beat a boss, you up level, things get easy for a fraction of a second, and then it's the next most challenging thing. It's so true. I mean, I suppose that the obvious examples for us were a lot of businesses you got brexit and covid mm -hmm. in in the, within the same 12 months mm -hmm. 
uh, it's like, uh, I got, you know what? I'm losing my mind now. I can't remember which was first. I think COVID was first, wasn't it? I can't remember. Uh, I think honestly, can't remember. It was a year into COVID, yeah. So you've had COVID, like you've had, so you've had COVID, or the first part of COVID. So for us, you've got bricks and mortar in the most expensive real estate in the world, um, closed. Um, and you've also got the online business, which has flown initially, but then supply starts to tie up. And then you, COVID finishes, you have an amazing Christmas. And then your European business has been going like that for three years. And then the next day, nothing, gone. European business, gone, uh, basically. Uh, and I guess that, that's an example of what you just said. It's like, uh, good, 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 good. And then it's like bad, then it's good, 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 and then it's bad again. So it's like the roller coaster. Yeah. How did you? How did you keep your shit together at that point? COVID was the hardest thing ever at the beginning. Um, it's because it, it turned out better than it could definitely could have been for business like us. But um, I remember that feeling of like, this is it. This is it. It's gone. Mm. Everything. Everything we've built. You know. Um, and I remember the one, the one standout for me there is that the one, the one time I've got emotional in front of people at work um, is for all their sins, the Conservative Party, when Rishi Sunak, I think there was a day he announced the furlough scheme, rate support, rent, um, you know, um, security. And I was, and the TV was on the office, big screen. Uh, and we were still there. there was, I think it was like a few days before we were let go. And I just had to go into my office like in tears because you you, you, go, you think you've gone from going under to being saved uh, overnight. Um, it's definitely the toughest moment, but I mean, there's been so many uh, off the back of that. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. I can really imagine. What do you do on a regular basis for your own mindset and mental health? I train. I know it sounds, it's a, it sounds like a, Obviously, I'm going to say that, but honestly, I train. I, I'm I'm obsessed with training. <laughs> for, for those who know me, like too much. Um, you know, I'm not one of those guys that it, it does overtrain. Um, but I'm sensible with it as well now because I'm I'm old enough to know what what I should do, what I shouldn't, and and what parts of my body are hurting and what aren't. Um, so I spend a lot of time training, a lot of time reading. Um, as long as I can get those two things in, Perfect. should be should stay even. <laughs> Perfect. What books have you gifted most to other people? So you know what? I, with regards to books, I used to, um, again, during COVID, I did this a lot. I used to send out books to the team, like Atomic Habits would be one. Mm -hmm. um, Shoe Dog, obviously, I've sent that to the, yeah. everyone that's Perfect in. Perfect book for you. Yeah. Perfect book. That's my oh, absolute favourite book of all time, obviously. Um but so I've gifted a lot of a load of business and self-help books to people. Mm -hmm. And I used to for two, three years through COVID, that's all I read. But I haven't read one for 18 months. So I, ju I just read fiction now. Um, nice. Because I, I got too caught in the weeds. Uh, and I started to, whilst it helped with mindset in the business, I was like questioning myself. Like I, you know, I'd read so many books. It's like, you know, should I follow? Um, you know, I think it's called What Matters Most, the, the book about OKRs and, you know, we instilled that at work and it was great. And then I'd read another book and they say, oh, it's great, but you can adapt it this way. So then I'd get the team in again three months later and say, oh, let's adapt it. Uh, 
And so I think we went on holiday a couple of years ago and I started to read a, some fiction, which I never did. And now I find that reading fiction for an hour in the morning chills me. So mm. why, why, why not do that? Like it's a, it's a, it's a balance. So I think it's what's better for the mind. It doesn't necessarily have to be making you a more mm. intelligent, cultured person every day. Yeah. And also your job isn't purely analytical it's creative it's, it's half analytical half creative and you've got to fire that and train that somehow what yeah. books have been um i don't know what books stand out in a fiction point of view uh at the moment i'm reading um um the james swallow books yeah, uh, which ones about mark dane the undercover mi6 agent uh i'm really into spy and criminal um series because i actually I, this is really random but i did international politics at uni so i actually applied for mi6 back then i was properly into it. i went to it i did my did my dissertation on african politics mm-hmm. like uh, international intervention in you know um west african countries in like 80s 90s i was properly into all that so i applied for mi6 so since i've started fixing it it's all spy thrillers <laughs> i think it's greg um can't remember his second name and James Swallow. I've read like all six or seven of their books. Nice. nice. You've uh, just developed a very um, convincing cover story with wit then. Just so yeah. deep into cover. <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Perfect, man. Cool. Thank you so much for your time. Um, really appreciate this. It's an awesome conversation and good to get to know you at a, a deep level. Yeah. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. Where can people find out a little bit more about you, follow you, that kind of thing? So if they follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, if, they, if they look for me on LinkedIn, Daniel Williams, uh, Wit, the Wit Fitness will, will pop up. Mm-hmm. That's my probably suit, suitable for my age as well. That's my social media platform of choice. So, uh, but I do, I do, I do try and give an opinion on there uh, as much as I can. So yeah, if people are interested in hearing or, or connecting with me, that's probably the place to go. Perfect, ideal. Thank you very much, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Limitless Athlete Podcast. I'm Tom Foxley, and you can find me on Instagram by searching for at Tom Foxley. That's T-O-M-F-O-X-L-E-Y. And I'll be back soon with another episode of the Limitless Athlete Podcast. Podcast.